Hello friends, really excited to have you with us this week and what a few weeks it has been. Uh, I want to continue in this a sermon series on prayer with a, a sermon entitled Awakening the Mighty. Uh, we've been looking and focusing in these last few weeks uh, because in the season it's become apparent to us and especially necessary at this time uh, in our nation and in our, in our lives that we should be in prayer. And we examine in the first week how God calls us to prayer and the things to remember while praying. And then we learned that anxiety is designed to usher us into these moments of prayer so that peace could reign in our hearts. And by prayers and petitions and thanksgivings, uh, which we are called to give, uh, that we come to God to let His peace rule in us. And I suggested last week that you start a prayer journal. I'm excited to hear how that's going for you. And today I want to continue in this emphasis on the call to prayer, but I want to recognize uh, this idea that oftentimes prayer is within the context of warfare. And we'll do well to understand this. And right now I believe that there is a call to action, a call to battle station, a call to arms, a moment to wake up the mighty men, as Joel 3 says, it's time to prepare ourselves for war. It's just time. So I want to speak to us about awakening to the battle, awakening to the battle. In 1 Peter 4 verse 1, Peter is talking to the church and he's talking about Jesus' sufferings. And he said, since Christ suffered in the body, arm yourself with the same attitude. Because whoever suffers in the body is done with sin. In other words, Peter said, if you have a certain attitude, if you, if you view it in a certain way, that attitude is like armor to you. Uh, it's, not, it's not the size of the dog that's in the fight. It's the size of the fight that's in the dog that counts. Uh, if we come to the battle passive and, and anemic and worried and anxious, then we're unlikely to win the battle. If you come to the battle ready for war, knowing that you're going to win, determined to put your enemy down, that's a very, very different fight. And Peter writes and he says, I want you to arm yourself with a certain attitude. And today I'm wanting to arm us. I'm wanting to call us to arms. But one of the arms that you need to take up and we need to bear is an attitude. I am not sitting here as a victim. I'm not sitting here passive and things are happening to you. We are not victims. We are more than conquerors. Circumstances don't reign over us. They're under Jesus' feet. Principalities and powers and rulers and authorities authorities are far below us. They're not ruling over us. We do not lack. We've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. We are not orphans. Jesus came to live on the inside of us. We are not rejected, but brought right into the very household of God and invited to sit on Jesus' throne. We are not victims. We've been empowered by ongoing rivers of hope, by the internal supply of the Holy Spirit. We are connected to the mind-blowingly massive ocean of God's love that the Bible says all of creation, nothing in all of creation can be able to separate us from. We are not victims, but we are in a war. So we have to become aware of the fact that we are called to warfare. The church unaware that a battle is going on is unlikely to win the battle. But why are these things happening to me? Because you're not firing back. Passivity, or even worse, running away, cowardice, are not celebrated virtues in the New Testament. 
because the armor that you're called to wear is designed to protect you as you go forward in battle. And the Bible says we are given two uh, really offensive weapons to fight with, and we're going to investigate some of those today. But those two weapons are prayer and the Word of God. And so I just wanted to ask you, are you aware that you're in a battle? Because I want to awaken you to a battle. And if, if you're not aware that the battle, you're likely to lose. Many years ago in the heavyweight title belt of boxing, one of the, the, the two people who was fighting for the, the heavyweight championship thought that the bell rang and it was about 30 seconds early, but some, the bell did not ring. His opponent had not heard the bell ring. And so the person he was fighting, like they do when the, when the round is finishing, he dropped his guard and he, he started to walk back to his corner. The other person had heard no bell. He knew that the fight was still on and he just clobbered this guy. For me, that picture is so often what it looks like in the church. The church kind of feels like, well, we don't have to fight. Well, we don't have to engage. We don't have to pray. Uh, the battle is, is, is won. No, friends, I just want to say, I want to awaken you today that there is a battle. It's not a battle to fear. We have the victory. We can overcome. But you and I are going to have to engage in the battle. We're going to have to come to the battle with a certain attitude, armed with an attitude, ready to fight. Because when you come ready to fight, and when you engage in prayer, and when you use the Word of God, massive victories are available to us. So I want to ask you a question. How have you been using prayer and the Word of God in what fights you're fighting? This idea, 1 Peter 4 verse 7, Peter said, The end of all things is near, so be alert and of sober mind so that you can pray. Be alert and of sober mind so that you can pray. There is this idea that resonates constantly throughout Scripture that there, there needs to be a, a certain amount of uh, the church needs to be alert. And that alertness is connected to our prayer. Because if we're not alert, if we think we're on a cruise ship, when actually we're on a battleship, when the call to action sounds, we, we get angry that someone's disturbing our peace. But the call to action means I jump up and I run to the place where I can man a gun, where I can do something profound, where I can make a difference in the battle that we're fighting. In 1 Peter 1.13, uh, Peter says, Therefore, with minds fully alert uh, and sober, set your hope on the grace that is to be given to you. Ephesians 6.18 says, With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all of the Lord's people. See, there is, there is this alertness. There is a call right now. There is an awakening to a battle because the lines have been drawn and there are victories to be won. There is a kingdom to be manifested. There's truth to be enforced. And you and I get an opportunity right now to participate in the kingdom of God being established in our cities and in our nation. So I just want to say, awaken to the battle, and I hope that you've caught that in your spirit. Secondly, I want to say, you and I need to engage in the battle. Now, there are different types of battles that are going on. 
You say, Greg, I, uh, what are you saying? Well, there is an ongoing battle between light and darkness, between the kingdom of heaven and the kingdoms of this world. There is a stress, and at every point with their engagement, there is going to be stress and conflict because these two are opposite to each other. The kingdom of God, which brings honor and glory to Jesus, which is humble and pure and beautiful and wants to manifest the nature of Jesus on the earth, will be at war with the kingdom kingdoms of this world who have taken on the nature of the enemy and the Adamic nature. So every time that the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness meet, there is no agreement between them. There is no truce. There is no gentle middle ground. No, there is a conflict always. And right now, there is this battle raging in our cities and in our nation for righteousness and truth. So I want to invite you to engage in the battle. So let me just talk about different types of battles that exist. One are the contests uh, that must happen. There are contests where there's a little scuffle where there is a, 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 an opponent and we engage with them and we wrestle with them. And we, and we, and, but there are rules and it's a, and it's a short, brief battle. Uh, such a thing as Colossians 2 verse 1 where Paul is talking about this. And he's talking to the Colossians whom he'd never met, by the way. He said, I want you to know what a great conflict that I have. Uh, the, the Greek literally means what a great contest I am having for you and for those in Laodicea and for as, never, as, as for many who have not yet seen me face to face. Paul said, I have this massive conflict. I'm not, just, I'm not just sitting here quietly hoping. I am conflicting. I'm wrestling for you. I'm contending. There is conflict about you in my prayers. Now, these contests are an opportunity for us to put our strength against an adversary. It's like a meat that displays particular strengths, and it's our opportunity to learn. And it's a place to hone and assess our abilities to go from, uh, to go from that place and then to practice and train again so that next time we come, we can, we can get further on in the competition. Now, Paul told the Colossians about this contest that he was having on their behalf. He was engaged in a prayer contest, wrestling, contending, matching hold for hold and movement for movement, trying hard to throw the opponent to the ground. It's hard work. It's adrenaline-inducing, practice-requiring effort. It requires us to engage in prayer. And so I want to ask you a simple question. Who are you contending like that for? Paul wrote to these people and said, I want you to know I am contending for you. This is a conflict in the spirit that is going on around you. I know the enemy has designed. I know the enemy's brought plans, but I'm wrestling against them. I'm fighting for you. Now, you and I have this opportunity. And right now, I think the Lord is going to give you some people and He's going to give me some people. As it turns out, I have quite a few people on my heart like this. I am constantly contending and wrestling for the members of Northlands. I'm wrestling hard for you in the Spirit on a daily basis, saying, God, watch over our people. Keep them safe. Prosper them, Lord. Help them to avoid evil. Stir their hearts. Encourage them. Keep their eyes on you. I am wrestling for you in prayer. And I want to ask you, because I think this is a season, the reason why we're in this moment. The reason that uh, this is not a mistake, this is not, didn't take God by surprise. He's brought us to this place because there's a massive invitation in the spirit to the church, in this nation, in this year. Come on, step up and engage in these contests to see the battle won. 
This adrenaline-inducing hard work is what Colossians 4.12, because Paul continues to the Colossians and he talks about Epaphras who has come from them and is a servant of Jesus. But he says, Epaphras, who is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends you his greetings. He is always wrestling in prayer for you. The Greek word is agonizomai. It means striving. We get our word agony from it. Striving and laboring fervently for you in prayer, that you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. There are so many things that we could wrestle down in prayer right now. The protection of your family, for one. Watching over our city and our nation is another. Deliverance from evil and the evil one is another. Calling on God to turn back this uh, disease of COVID. Trusting God for the rejuvenation of our economy, for the establishment of peace and justice in our nation. There is so much that could be wrestled to the ground all around us. And if we don't show up for the contests, we forfeit. Let me just say that again. I want to say this in bold letters. You forfeit every contest you don't show up for. And Paul said, I want you to know, guys, I am, I am showing up. I am wrestling. I'm on the mat. I'm struggling. I'm laboring with all the energy that I have. I'm wrestling down a good, blessed future for you. Paul had said many, many times in many, many different places, Paul had said, listen, guys, I am, I am so helped by your prayers. He said, as you help us by your prayers. Paul said, I'm going out there. I'm fighting wild beasts. I'm, I'm up against the religious system. I'm preaching the truth. But above all of that, I'm facing struggles against spiritual forces of evil. And he said, I'm struggling. I'm out there. But he said, you can help me by your prayers. And this is the truth. Uh, the, when Michelle and I travel and we've gone to many different nations, we, we can tell you, we can sense it. You help us by your prayers. People are praying for us. It goes well. People are not, it's not based on our gifting or our eloquence. It's based on us partnering together. And I promise you, it's the same for you. You have this opportunity to wrestle on behalf of some people that you care about. Now is this moment and there is a call to war. You happy with how it's going with your family, with your future, with your prospects? You can come to the wrestling mat in prayer and wrestle in contests. You can take these minor little, little pressures that are against you, little minor concerns, maybe they're major concerns, and wrestle with them, match them. I see a strategy, the enemy's trying to bring that. No, I forbid that. I pray against it in Jesus' name. You can wrestle some things to the ground in prayer, and you would be amazed that when you you see the answers to your prayers, the profound difference it makes. It turns lives around. It puts people into healthier places. Your prayers, friends, are important. Please hear me. There is a call going out to, to join the battle. And these little contests, these little moments where something stirs your heart, something stirs up a, a fear or an anxiety. Remember, that's just a call from God to come to this place and wrestle it in prayer. And you may say, Greg, I don't understand. I've, I've been wrestling now for a little while and it doesn't seem like it's going away. Well, you can wrestle until the battle's won. Not until you feel like the bell has been rung. You wrestle until your enemy gives up. And you'll see the victory. You are indwelt by the Spirit of the living God and He will work with you.
So there are these contests, these minor skirmishes, these little times to practice your muscle and prayer and practice your wrestling skills, contending, striving, laboring. These are the kinds of verbs that Paul uses all over the New Testament about these kinds of ideas. And then secondly, there are not just contests, but there is this battle, this battle that lasts for a long period of time. It's not just minor skirmishes we're in. We're in a war. This is warfare. And Ephesians 6.12, Paul says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against powers, against authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And, uh, and after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with a belt of truth buckled around your waist, with a breastplate of righteousness in place, with your feet fitted with a readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. And in addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. And with this in mind, always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. In these battles we fight, we fight against spiritual forces of wickedness. Uh, and, and natural weapons have no effect in a spiritual battle. So Paul admonishes us, don't hold up a placard, hold up the shield of faith. Don't have fancy writing on your t-shirt. Embrace the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Embrace the gift of righteousness by faith. That is an armor and a weapon for you. Take up the belt of truth and the, the feet that are fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. And he said, you have these two weapons. I want you to use these two weapons. He said, I want you to use prayer and I want you to use the word of God. And so Paul says in verse 18 of Ephesians 6, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. And with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. There are two provisos that Paul puts in that admonition and in that imperative to pray. He says, pray in the Spirit, and you'll hear more about that next week. Pray in the Spirit and always keep on praying for all the saints. This is an important idea. I need to pray, whether it's in English or in, the, in my first language, or whether it's in tongues, if I, if I have the gift of tongues, pray in a tongue. I need to be praying in the Spirit, and I need to pray on all occasions for all of God's people. So you go, well, when, when, is it, when is it a good time to pray? Right now is a good time to pray for other people. Take a moment right now. I just dare you for the next 30 seconds, just pray for somebody that you know and love. Just pray for them. Paul says these two provisors, pray in the Spirit and always pray for God's people. Because prayer 
changes things. Prayer weakens the enemy. Prayer destroys the enemy's plans. It establishes the will of God. It creates new options. It enlarges territory. It gives us hope. It connects us to God. It helps us hear the Holy Spirit's voice and desires. It realigns our priorities. It unleashes God's power. Prayer is important for you. Prayer has all of these massively beautiful consequences, and it is one of the church's most underutilized weapons. I am done, friends, being defensive. It's time for the church to get up and advance and do some damage. Something's got to go, and it's not going to be the church. Because Jesus said, I will build my church. The church is going to go forward. We need to take up this weapon of prayer. You can do significant damage to the plans of the enemy in your life, and in the life of your family, and in the life of our city, and in our nation. We can do the damage. God has given us the weapon. It has divine power, this weapon. It can demolish strongholds. It can pull down arguments. It can annul the enemy's plans. But you have to show up and use it. If you don't show up for the contest, you forfeit. If you don't use the weapons God gives you, the enemy wins. We will not let him win. And you cannot tell me, well, I'm just, I'm just sitting here and, and I'm a victim of circumstances. No, you haven't used what God has called you to use. So friends, let's stand up together. Let's join together and engage in some active praying in the Spirit and always praying for all of God's people. Greg, who should I be praying for? All of God's people. Let's pray for them. Pray that God open their eyes. Pray that God encourage their heart. Pray that God lead them away from evil and the evil one. Pray that they'd be stirred up in their spirit. Pray that the word of God impact them powerfully. Pray for godly lives for them. Pray for a hunger for the things of God. Pray that the miracles of God break out through their lives. Pray that, you, that God would use them to spread His gospel. There are a million prayers in a million different ways you can pray them. But the Bible says all Always keep on praying those prayers. The second weapon that Paul said we're supposed to use here, because we are in a struggle against spiritual forces of evil. And so these supernatural weapons, these spiritual weapons that we are called to use is prayer and the Word of God. Now, the Word of God is what Paul said is the sword of the Spirit. Jesus had to use that sword when he contended with the enemy. We're going to have to use the sword as well. There's just no way we can get around it. But it's not just what the scriptures say. Jesus, when the enemy came to him, said, but it is written. This is what the scripture declares. He proclaimed. And when the enemy tried to use the scripture to lie, Jesus said, no, no, that's what the Bible says. But it's, it's not just the written word, which I'm just telling you, get into the scriptures as much as possible. That's why I think this idea for the ladies to come together and, and get into the Psalms, I love that idea. Absolutely love it. Husbands, why don't you jump in too if you want to? I think it's going to be a phenomenal thing. Let's get the people of God back in the word of God. It will transform your life. Nothing like it. Paul said, take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and you and I can go out and do damage with the Word of God. But it's not just the written Word. It's not just the Scriptures, although those are immensely important. It's also the promises that God has breathed. It's not just His written Word in the Scriptures, but also His breathed words to you in prophecy. 
This was common all over the New Testament and it's still common today because the gift that you are most called on to desire is this ability to prophesy, Paul said. And this was common. Paul, just everywhere he went, they prophesied over young people. They prophesied over people in the church. This was normal. Now, the Bible says you should take up this idea that it's the it's the prophesied promises of God are also important for your spiritual life. Let me take you to 1 Timothy 1 and verse 18. Timothy, my son, I'm giving you this command, which is in keeping with the prophecies that were once made about you. Paul says, listen, I'm telling you, Timothy, I'm telling you to go in this direction. You know why? Because I remember the prophecies that were spoken over you. I give you this command because they're in keeping with the prophecies that were once made about you. And he said, if you recall those prophecies, you will fight the battle well. That's a fascinating idea. If you stir up the promises, if you'll remember what God has prophesied and you begin to pray what He's promised you, you fight the battle well. Those prophecies align you with the will of God. They help you stand and see where God wants you to go. And even if the waters are muddied and even if a storm is raging around you, the prophecies speak a clear direction and you start walking in that direction. You start praying in that direction and something takes in the Spirit and things start to align and things start to be created. New opportunities arise in the line of the prophecies. Paul said, I give you this command in keeping with the prophecies that were made about you so that by recalling them, you may fight this battle well. That word for battle is warfare strategy. It is a battle a battle strategy, Paul said. If you can take hold of the prophecies that were promised to you by God, you will be part of God's great battle strategy. See, some people say, well, and then Paul Paul goes on to say, hold on to faith and a good conscience, which some have rejected and so have suffered the shipwreck of their faith. When you hold on to the promised prophecies of God, you fight the battle well. And so the question is, what has the Lord promised you? Now, I'm pretty sure that whatever the Lord has promised you will be challenged because if you mix faith and a little bit of patience with the promises of God, it creates a massively winning combination. And that means it will be game over for the enemy. Your faith and patience mixed with God's promise means an explosive power unlocked on the earth. And the enemy is desperate to get you, to get you into unbelief about the promises of God. He, he desperately, that's the big battle line right there. That's why Paul says, take up the shield of faith. Because the shield of faith extinguishes every weapon that the enemy is trying to launch at you. Take up faith. Because if you'll believe what God has prophesied over your life, you will see a profound enlargement of what He's promised. And you will walk into all the promises of God. So we're going to walk in faith. We're going to go to warfare. We're going to use it as a weapon in our prayers. Father, you spoke this to me. I believe it. I'm trusting you to see powerful difference in these ideas. So the question is, what has the Lord promised you? This is exactly what Abraham did, and it caused God to be extremely pleased with him. 
Abraham believed the promises of God. Despite the murkiness of the situation, despite the length of time he'd been waiting, Abraham chose to believe God. This is what Romans 4:18 says, Against all hope, Abraham in the hope believed, and so became the father of many nations, as has been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was good as dead since he was about a hundred years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead, yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised. You are his children if you do likewise. Face the facts, stand firm through the storm, Pay attention to the promise. Why? Because Paul said, if you do that, you'll be a good fighter. You'll fight well in this war that is going on. Prayer and the words of God are the weapons that we must learn to master. And in this battle that we are fighting right now, there's a call to a battle. Engage the battle. Use these two weapons, prayer and the word of God. And as you do this Paul said, hold on to faith and a good conscience. We don't have to resort to deception or lying or exaggeration or backstabbing or rumor, malice or slander. We don't have to exaggerate or take advantage of others. We don't have to step on other people's shoulders to get ahead. God will see to all of that. God's going to prosper us and bless us. We have to hold on to faith and a good conscience. Let me close this message with the admonition from Joel 3, which is where we started today. Joel 3 verse 9, Proclaim this among the nations. Prepare for war. Wake up the mighty. Let the men of war draw near and let them come up. I feel like in the spirit there's this opportunity right now. Wake up the mighty men. Call people's attention. Cry out to the church. It's time to pray. If you engage in a month's time, You'll be a month after the battle. Now is the time for battle. Now is the time to rouse yourself. Now is the time to engage in prayer. Because my friends, there are victories waiting for you. You're not a victim. You're an incredible victor. And God has decreed great blessings for you. As you go into this week, I just want to encourage you. I'm telling you, turn up the volume of your prayers. Turn up the frequency of your prayers. Get intense in these contests and these battles because there is a massive amount of victory God wants to pour into your life through the vehicle of your prayers and your belief in His promises over your life. God bless. Thanks for being us. We'll see you soon.